Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Good? That was pretty weak. How are we doing this morning? Doing great. Well, as I was getting ready, uh, this is a few weeks ago, and I was looking forward, and I was thinking about Mother's Day. Nice work, Glenn. She has to wear a long dress. What a gentleman. Uh, as I was thinking about Mother's Day, I realized that I am really ill-equipped to speak about the depths of what it means to be a mother. And when we talk about, <laughs> surprise, when we talk about motherhood today, we're talking about, there's, there's a lot to it in that there is a biological aspect, but there's also a spiritual aspect to motherhood. And realistically, uh, when, when Adam called Eve, Eve, it says she's the, the mother of the living or the mother of life. And, and we're going to dig into all this really deep, but it's going to be a bit different than what you're used to. So as I realized how poorly equipped I, I am for this, I decided, man, I should reach out to a mother. And so I started praying, and as I prayed, Jane's name just kept coming to mind. Come on up, Jane. You can have a seat here. But let's give a warm welcome to Jane. Jane is... <laughs> As I've worked on this uh, conversation that we're going to have for you today, Jane is an incredible mother. She's a mother biologically, but she's a mother spiritually to dozens, if not hundreds of women. And it is remarkable the impact she has had in how she has nurtured and cared, loved and guided so many. And as I worked with her in these last few weeks, the nurturing care and love and guidance that she brought into my life was incredible. So I'm so blessed to be up here today with Jane, and we're going to have a conversation about mothers. So again, let's yeah. warm welcome for Jane. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> Jane put a lot of uh, thought into today's, uh, by a lot of thought, I mean a remarkable <laughs> amount of thought into today's conversation that we're going to have. And she came up with a beautiful acronym for mothers. So can we see that up on the screen, guys? Here we are. Could you tell us a little bit about this? Oh, thing? yeah. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, how could we do this? So it's kind of, you know, beautiful. And so I thought, well, Aaron talked about the Holy Spirit, and he had, you know, this list of all the attributes of the Holy Spirit. I said, really, I don't want a list because that's kind of boring. <laughs> Not that your sermon was growing, but <laughs> it was great. But I think there's got to be something that speaks more of something active, living, because the list kind of sits there. Oh, a flower. Why? And so I got this idea as I was praying about it, about doing a flower. Yeah, and so, and then I had this list of, attributes that women have is not just, I mean, it's everybody. And, and men have some of these attributes too, but today I'm talking particularly about women because sometimes you feel like you're kind of second class and then we're not. That's not what God said. And anyway, so that's... Yeah, so as you're looking up here, you see that we have meditation, ownership, teach, help, encourage, restoration, and shepherd. And we're going to dive into each of these. Uh, we have uh, examples from scripture. We have some lovely flowers that correlate with the, with the, uh, the word. And so uh, let's dive right in. We're going to start with meditation. It's M. 
and we have a morning glory for the flower. Jane, could you tell us a little bit why you selected morning glory? Yeah, but first I want to thank Jody for coming, you know, helping to format all this. She's, she's behind the scenes doing so much. It's wonderful. I appreciate you, Jody, and you're a wonderful mom, too. Anyway, so um, meditation, how does that go with the morning glory? Well, the morning glory opens up to the sun. It's the morning, and the sun comes up, the morning glory opens up. And that's how we do. We have hearts when we come to Jesus. We need to open them up like the sunflower opens up to the flower. We open up our hearts to Jesus, and we open our hearts as we read Scripture, and it's so important. And an example of this is Mary, you know, the mother of Jesus. And so she didn't understand everything, but she pondered. She pondered after the shepherds were there, what does this mean? You know, and so... Yeah, we talked about the richness of, like, absorbing Scripture in and memorization right. and, and resting in it. And, uh, and you thought of Beverly and Yeah, and, I and did, her because she gives us a very good example of this. Not only she does it herself, but, you know, when she comes up, and I've been in some of her groups, and so when she comes up, she reads the Scripture several times, and it gives us time to think about it. So it's like it's a, it's a way of hearing Hearing again, thinking about it, pondering about what it means, then maybe listening and writing something down, asking questions. Um, and that's what Beverly has been you know, teaching in her group studies, too, and I've been in some of them. And so it's like you have to digest the Scripture. It's like like if it, it can't go in one ear and out with the other because... It will if you if they just read it and then move on to something else. So I mean, you could might have to start with five minutes or even one minute, but start with something so it's more than just you heard it or well, you're listening to something else. Why the radio is on? Well, no, or the TV, or you know, or you got your beeper all the time. Well, no, you can't really meditate on scripture unless there's some silence, a little bit of silence at least. And there's which some remarkable, hard. like, benefits to meditating yeah. on Scripture, which we'll see as we look at the, the rest of this acronym that the, the meditation on Scripture plays into all other aspects. Yeah. And you actually had one of these experiences the other morning, I believe. Yeah. And so I was feeling anxious about, because my hands have been bothering me a little bit with a little bit of arthritis. I was just saying, how could I get up there? I've got so much to write here and so this is before i got up and so you because i don't have little children that are waiting for breakfast anymore i can just kind of wait and listen and so just one phrase came to mind um the threat that comes by noonday i knew there that was it was from psalm 91 okay and so it's like okay i looked up the psalm and it's like don't be afraid of the tear and it's of jesus being our protector and then I was curious, so I looked up, oh, then another, after that, another words of a song came to me, he gave us more grace, his grace is sufficient. And so I thought, and I knew that I'd heard that song before, it's, it's songs that, come, that are based on scripture are so powerful, hymns. And so it says, you know, when we come to the end of our resources, and there's nothing left, Jesus gives us grace, and that's 
it says in, in the New Testament, his grace is sufficient. Okay. And so I looked up who wrote this. And so I found it was Annie Johnson Flint, and she was a woman who was paralyzed with arthritis, severe arthritis most of her life. But she wrote hundreds of songs and poetry. I said, oh, yeah, I can keep on doing it after all, God. <laughs> You're not through with me yet. Yeah, yeah. That, it's a beautiful example. And as we see this absorption of Scripture, one of the elements, and you're talking about, uh, you know, get, giving it up to God, right, yeah. is the fact that uh, is a concept of surrender, which brings yeah. us to our next slide, which is uh, O for ownership. Yeah. And with this, we have the uh, orchid. So could you tell us why the orchid's significant to ownership? So as I, w I was trying to find a flower that had the same letter as the attribute I'm talking about, the orchid. And so I found something that was written about people that grow orchids, and it said, don't water your plant too much. Don't be an overbearing plant parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that fits right in. And because we, God gives us our children as gifts, but we do not possess them. They're not, our, our, we don't own them. They belong to Jesus. And mm. so it's like, okay, <laughs> we can't, you know, we have the limited to what we can give our children, even with good things. It's like, it's hard for me not to bring everything in at once, but it's like, that's what we, we try to do sometimes. And we try to give them so much and we think, what's happening? But we have, there comes to a place of trusting God. And a Hannah was a woman in the Old Testament, if you don't know her story. She didn't have any children, and she prayed. And then finally, God gave her a child. And so Hannah was so grateful. So after three years, when this child was weaned, she took him to the temple, and she presented him to the, to the priest there and said, you know, I'm giving him back to God. And he lived. He lived there. It's like, wow, would I, you know, be able to do that? Take, you know, my child, three years old, and say, okay, now I'm dedicating this, this child to God. And it wasn't like he was neglected. He was, this was an honor, and, she, and he was well taken care of. And he grew up, he must have ingested a lot that his uh, mother Hannah had given him. And so I thought about who now I know today who's like that. And in fact, the first persons I knew that were like that were like over 50 years ago when John was in a seminary and I was with him and we visited a missionary family and they said to their kids, who do you belong to? And their kids said, we belong to God. Oh, I thought, now that's something for me to remember when I have my children if God gives me some. And so it's been challenging because sometimes I haven't been physically very close to my, my kids. As they got older, and, and another person in our congregation who was in our congregation like 50 years ago is Donna Webster. And her son Andy has been in China for you know, most of his adult life, and she, she couldn't always communicate with him. He wasn't always a, available to talk to. She didn't know what was going on all the time. And so we talked about it, what that was like. And she said, yeah, it was, 
It was, I was happy, but I was heartbroken. You know, I wanted to have my children at special occasions. Like, there were many Mother's Days where, you know, he wasn't there. And then her grandchildren, too. Like, her grandson was two years old when he's taken to China. Well, she's, he's, they're not going to come back for Mother's Day very often, you know. And so when my daughter was, Carrie was, uh, before she was married, she went in the Peace Corps to Uganda. And so I thought, oh, will I be able to contact her? And what is the worst thing that I thought of that could happen to her? I thought, oh, there's snakes, okay. There's poison snakes in Uganda, God. Please protect her from the poison snakes. So this is what happened. Because she couldn't contact me. She lived in the village where the people had never seen some of them had never seen a white person, and she didn't have any <laughs> internet for sure. And so every few weeks, she could go to the bigger city, and she could call me, and she could send letters. But I didn't know from day to day what was happening. So I kept praying, Lord, protect her from the snakes. And so one day she calls us, guess what, Mom? <laughs> the villagers gave me a pet pig, and I had it in the house at night to keep it safe from other animals. And, it, and they said, well, and then tied to this tree in the daytime. It's like it was so I could not run away. But she loved the little pig. And, it was, and then one day she was going to go out and put it in a tree. And the pig kept squealing and squealing. She, said, she couldn't understand why it would not go out. So finally she pulled and got it under the tree. And just as she did, a big snake <laughs> fell on her shoulder and pulled it off. And so then she said, and then I didn't know if it bit me or not. And so she said, but I went to the village, and the villager, and I said, do you think it bit me? She described it, and they said, no, you'd be dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I said, God, thank you for, you know, answering my prayer, protecting her from my worst fear. Okay, help me not to fear so much and trust you more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we release and, and surrender ourselves to God and surrender our children to God, it, it really puts us in a position to be able to teach, encourage others. And that brings us to our next slide, which is T for teach. And we have a tool up here as the, the flower. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. I thought, okay, what does TULIP have, you know, in related to teaching? I thought, okay, the TULIP bulb is planted in the fall, but you don't see the flowers quite a few months later in the spring. So you have to be patient. You don't go digging up the TULIP bulb to see if it's sprouted and see what's happening there. You just trust that it will. After a while, you'll see the, the blossom. Well, so my daughter... Uh, sent me some tulips a few days ago, and so here I am, and I'm looking at them, and they haven't opened up yet. I said, when are you going to open up? When are you, you going to open up, flowers? Is there something wrong? <laughs> no, it's like some, sometimes we can get that way. Like, can't wait to see what's going on with our kids. Well, we, we, God knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. And if we have shared scripture, we can trust that it's never going to be worse enough. It's going to have bear fruit someday. It's going to bear mm -hmm. fruit. Yeah. And so patience, having patience. Uh, 
and Priscilla. Yeah, I think as you as you as you uh, as you teach and encourage people with scripture, that yeah, you have to you have to surrender, right? We come back right. to that concept of surrendering because the timeline is God's, but it doesn't keep us from teaching. And uh, yeah, when we were talking about this, the example that came to mind for me was uh, Priscilla, and that she's mentioned six times in the New Testament. Uh, her and her husband Aquila were tent makers. And uh, they, they spent a lot of time going around to the Gentile world and, and, uh, and, and ministering, teaching, and encouraging. And the uh, scripture that we have in Acts here, Acts uh, 18, 26, is, I believe this is dealing with uh, Apollos. And, and to put this in perspective, okay, think about, you know, maybe in some of your generation anyway, think about Billy Graham, okay? Think about Billy Graham, okay? Somebody who clearly has an incredible anointing to, to teach scripture and, and to, to shepherd and to, to prune, so to speak. Paul refers to Apollos like that. He says, I'm a planter, and Apollos is like the gardener, the one that takes care of the, the plants. Incredible gifting. And here you have Priscilla and Aquila who come, to, uh, come and see Apollos teach, and uh, in watching him teach, uh, they, they see that there's some misunderstanding of what actually is going on. So they welcome him into their home, and they direct his theology, correct it. What an incredible, there's, this is incredible to me in, in two, two ways. One, lovely picture of, a, of a, a couple doing ministry together. And two, an incredible humility by this guy, Apollos, to receive correction from Priscilla and Aquila on his theology. That, that to me, speaks of a, a great teacher, and I mm-hmm. think that's why he was, was, ended up having such a powerful impact as he had, as he was humble and, and ready to teach and received from Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, it wasn't just Aquila. Priscilla's right. right beside. And John had shared with me about when God created Adam and Eve, and, he, and the word that's used for helper uh, Eve as helper is the same word that is used for God, okay? So that's, we're created, in, both created in God's image, male and female. And he does not say it's like this. And for lots of years, it's, you know, even in history, it's like, oh, here's, here's the man, here's the woman underneath. No, that's not the way God created us in the beginning. It was like side by side. And so I think it's wonderful. I appreciate the fact that I can have a part in, you know, sitting up here. And thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Glenn, and thank you, Beverly, and thank you. Uh, I'm thankful for my husband, you know. And he's like, he keeps encouraging me to share. So uh, I think I appreciate that. And there's many of you who might not have children, but you're still teachers. Mm-hmm. And you have children that you can influence. And some of you are, like Mary Ann, are uh, teaching in places where you can actually share more of Scripture because she teaches religion at Catholic school. And kids come there and ask her all kinds of questions. But even if you don't have that freedom, you're teaching by your, uh, by your life and yeah. by your love and by what, what you give them. And so you have children. Every person has some kind of child that some kind of child either physical or you know 
foster child. Marianne has godchildren. She has children that you know play the piano, and she's she has kittens that she looks at. And she learns from these things. So we, because we're alive, we have life to give. We have things to teach. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think of like through throughout. Uh, you know, I, even I, uh, a few weeks ago when I talked about the Holy Spirit, I talked about perspective, and I talked about the lens that we see through. And I started thinking as we were preparing this about. Um, uh, the, the different people who have impacted um, my perspective of, of Scripture and of living uh, in the image of Christ and becoming transformed into Christ's image. And, you know, there's a lot of people who came to mind, Jill Ludlam and Jody uh, Davey, Beverly, many, many, many uh, women here today who have, uh, who have played major roles in, in uh, influencing um, who I am today. And I thought about some of the incredible mentors that I've had in my life, like male mentors that I've had. Uh, I think of John and Scott, uh, Glenn and Bob, many incredibly in, uh, influential mentors in my life. And as I thought about that, you with me? I'm still thinking. As I thought about that, as I thought about that, I thought about, you know, who has played the most significant role in transforming my life. You know, they're doing it by the Spirit, right? God's doing the work, okay? So I'm not trying to say this person is the, is the transforming element, but I'm saying that God used this person to transform me. And that's my wife, Kim, who isn't here at the moment, but she was sitting right there. And through our lives walking together and the differences in how we walk and how we learn, and how we encouraged. Um, there has been nobody who has, uh, who has helped me see how God wanted me to be trans, like she. Yeah, I, I know Kim quite well, and she, she is a tremendous person. And, um, and so now, to, this week, I've been finding out what it is like to, for her to live with you. <laughs> And it's like, and she said, you know, we're so different. Oh, yeah, right, you are. And, but I, I love you too, Aaron. <laughs> and so, and, and your mom. And so I've had some incredible conversations with your mom and uh, Joanne, and who I've known them for over 50 years. And, uh, and then Don Exler, and I've talked to too many people to to really t tell you about, but th I had such a good time because I was call people or spend time with them, women. It's like, wow, these women are wonderful and every woman has something to contribute. And, and I just, and, and you know, my favorite thing would be to say, just go down and give everybody a hug and, and then listen to each one of you women because you're beautiful. You are, God, you are created in God's image. Yeah. 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 And you talked a little bit about, we, you talked a little bit about John uh, sharing about the concept of helper and, and God being our helper and Eve being brought in as a, as a, as a helper, as, a, as someone, a complement, so they work together. Yeah. And that brings us into our, our next uh, element, which is H, and that's help. And uh, this is all about receiving help from God 
and in the abundance of the help that we receive, pouring out help to others. So can you speak about the hyacinth? Yeah, the hyacinth, I I think it's lovely. You know, the purple reminds me of royalty kind of. And and so it's a richness. And I'm thinking there's many of us, you know, who have a lot. We have riches. We have spiritually, we have physically rich. It's like we have a lot of resources. And so sometimes it's like we just want to not go beyond that. We kind of, we don't, we need to realize there's people out there who don't have the resources. And so it's not to be, you know, trusting in your riches, but and sharing what we have. And uh, and so a, a number of years ago, I read the book Rich uh, Christians in a World of Hunger. I thought, you know, there are many people out there who don't have the resources I have. And so Hager was an example of, of someone who was destitute. And she was a slave woman, and she had a child, and she was, you know, thrown out of the house, and and she was there with her son, and she had one day's provision, okay, and water and food for one day. And so when that was done, she had nothing. And she, so she comes to the, the point where there's nothing, and she puts her son in the shade of a bush or something. It was a desert. And she goes off a little ways, and she's weeping and crying. God, you know, my child. And so... You know, my heart just grieves too when I look at and think about some children in the world and some mothers, you know, who don't have anything because she had very little finances and she didn't have food. She didn't have water. But she said, what's going to happen? And God heard her. And God said, I will bless you. I will bless your son. And, you know, he will be, I'll raise him up. So... You know, and God did that. And so, but we need to be people who will see the mothers out there who don't have the resources and, and provide for them and, and humble ourselves. And, you know, um, and the person that, a couple people that, re, that I talked to this week, you know, reminded me uh, of that in a, in a different kind of way. And one was Maria Drake and, and Judy Schultz. And they both have children with disabilities. And um, I talked to both of them and in length. I mean, I've talked to Judy for years. <laughs> and she's, I, see, I see so much in her. And she's just given up so much of her life for Jason. And, and he's blossoming. It's, he's blossoming better than he has for forever because she, God has answered her prayers. He's shown the provision, and um, and so and and Maria Drake too said, and she started a found, and she's part of a foundation called Jacob's. I forgot the last word, but uh, anyway, it's for uh, advocating for Down syndrome children, and it's uh, she works in the medical field, and so it's like. And both of these uh, women are finding joy in, in, in God and, and in their children. And, I, and they said, what do we see in their children? Joy. They look in their children's eyes and see joy. And that's because their children might not be able to comprehend as much mentally yet, or maybe they're slower learning, but they have a spirit. 
every child has a spirit because every child is connected with, with God that way. And so it's precious. He knits us together in our mother's womb. And so it's not just we are, you know, physical people. We are spiritual beings. And so everyone is precious. And you, if there's anybody out there who thinks you aren't precious, you are. Whether you're a mother or a child, a woman, it's like you're precious in God's sight. And you have a spirit. Yeah. And so that's what makes us valuable. And, and those are some of the things that, I mean, um, Maria understands and Judy really understands and appreciates. And, oh, I could go on and on, but I'm, I'm just, uh, and, and Lorel, this, Lorel understands this. And she's, I'm going to talk more about her later, but she's, she set up this, you know, program for uh, helping kids, you know, the snack pack program. And it's because she, she could have come up here. I'll talk more about her later, okay? Cause, but I will. It's like... I, yeah, so we have, like, there's, there's, there's the aspect of receiving help from God, and then out of the outpouring of that receiving, we see the needs of others, and we provide help. And there's a lot of amazing, specific examples of, of people who have seen this in, in different ways. But as a community, we get to do this together. Okay. We get to be a community that observes those that are in need. And, right. and out of the abundance that God gives us, we get to help them. And, uh, and, and part of helping people can go beyond just the physical needs. There's aspects of being a person where you can face things like discouragement. Anyone in the room ever been discouraged, disheartened? Really? You guys are incredible. Nobody in the room's been discouraged. <laughs> I'm sure all of you have, and you're just being shy. So there's, I mean, discouragement, depression, anxiety. I mean, let's talk about a lot of things that are, are challenging to, to walk through. And so one of the aspects of helping out of our abundance is encouragement. And that brings us to our next uh, slide here, which is E for encouragement. And or encouragement takes a couple different, has, has, has a lot of different faces to it. Um, but the flower that we have representing this is uh, Echinacea. And uh, Jane's going to fill us in on why, why is that? Okay, so Echinacea is a um, perennial, it comes up by itself. And it's one of the plants, flowers that the deer don't like. It's deer resistant. Okay, so that got me thinking, okay, what do we do, you know, to, to resist the enemy out there, the enemies in our lives, which is the evil one, Satan? It's like praise, praise. And so, because Miriam is someone in the Old Testament who was leading the whole congregation in praise mm -hmm. and singing praises. And, and there's this verse in the psalm that says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, even in our terrible circumstances, if we are in terrible circumstances or we're not feeling happy, we just some decide we're going to look to God and look at he is and how much we are. To look at God and start praising him. And it's like he's there. He comes to meet with us. He does. And so I'm just so thankful for Diane and Megan and... Uh, Caitlin and Kim and every woman that's up, Emily, you know, that comes up here 
to help, to help us worship God. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful ministry. And but you can do that even by yourself at home. You know, and so, and sometimes this happens for me. You know, I'm reading scripture, and then I come up with a poem or a song. It's like, and I start singing, and it just really helps me to mm. get out of my mud puddle. Yep. My mud puddle of gloom, which I could easily get into. Yeah. And so, uh, but so, and it says in Colossians, um, well, that Exodus is a story about Miriam. Colossians 3.16. Yeah, and Colossians is about Sing hymns and sing encouragement. Those are hymns and sings and words of encouragement. So it's words. It's not just singing. It's words, too. And what the words are that you're singing are pretty important. And it's like, uh, it's so, but, and then having empathy. We didn't talk about that, but it's really important to have empathy because if you come along and say, and you pretend that you're, like Aaron said, you never get discouraged. Well, there might be somebody who you're discouraged. Like, you know, many people find that, women find that, well, giving birth to a child is it's labor for everybody. But some people are able to, not, you know, find it that, that they're functioning quite well afterwards. And some people, like me, I got depressed. I was like, well, me, I thought, you know, it's like hard not to get down on yourself if you think you're the only one who's having a hard time here. I mean, you got a child, aren't you supposed to be happy? Well, maybe I'm not, you know? So maybe there's a reason. So maybe, you know, you need to know that there are people with empathy. We, we need to be careful not to present ourselves as always victorious. Never having any doubts or fears. No, we're not there. We don't live there. Well, neither does anybody else. <laughs> even though you might think they do. Even though you think you do. Well, God keeps putting us in challenging places so we can find out we are not so strong in ourselves and we rely on him. And so I want someone, you know, who has empathy. I've had people who had lots of empathy, you know, and, and helping me in the rough times that I've gone through. And I'm thankful yeah. for that. Yeah, and some people, you know, you've lost a child. And, and I talked to Donna, and she had lost a, a baby at eight months old. And some of you have lost your mothers. And some of you have, have suffered. And some of you are still, you know, you, you miss. And, and so you need to, somebody to come along and put your arm around you. And Donna shared how uh, at that time uh, there was a priest who cared, just somebody who cares, you know. And maybe they bring you like a shawl, like the shawl ministry here, you know. And I have this shawl. It just do something lovely. And you don't have to say a lot mm -hmm. to be empathetic. You just say, sometimes you don't have to say anything, hardly anything. Listen. You just need to listen, yep. you know. And I think, so I think that goes a couple of ways, right? Uh, and Jane alluded to this, but like there's the, there is the observance to those who are in need. Uh, and so uh, being ready and willing to be the one providing that shawl or that word of encouragement or, or, or um, help, uh, putting an arm around somebody. And then there's also the vulnerability to be the person that needs that. You know, we're part of a community and, and, 
part of being a community is, is being able to be vulnerable with each other without the fear of condemnation or people looking down on you. That's not the community one we want to be. I certainly don't want us to be that community. Mm-hmm. I would like us to be a community where we can be vulnerable and we can encourage, and those things can be just things that pour out of who we are. Amen, church? We want to be that community? <laughs> yes, we do. Thank you. And that brings us to the next element, and I think that encouragement plays a huge role in this, and we have a, an amazing uh, scriptural uh, example of this, but that is restoration. So R is restoration. The flower for this is, uh, is a, a rose, uh, and part of encouragement and part of living as Christians is that we believe in a God that can restore. Amen. And, and there's many seasons for all of us where we need restoration. I mean, I know I do. And so can you speak to us a little bit about the rose? Yeah. And, and so uh, a rose uh, is very uh, refreshing. Even the, the, the uh, scent is refreshing. And the rose oil, it hydrates, you know, skin that's dry. And it's, it refreshes and brings back, you know, the loveliness. And it throws is for those, represents those who need restoration and rest also. We, at first I was just thinking about rest and then restoration. Well, we need, personally, we need rest. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not something I'm good at because it's like, I grew up with a, my sister, a twin, and so we talked all the time. And so sometimes I just get going and it's like I can't slow down. And so my daughter, Laura, I was talking to her this week and she says, well, uh, I, I'm tired. She says, well, oh, Mom, I'm tired, too. I was like, I'm in my 50s now, and I don't have as much energy as when I was in my 40s, and sometimes I need to take a nap. Well, yeah, Mom. Well, maybe you too, too, Mom. Okay. So sometimes your children can say good things that you need to hear. Yeah. And so while we're on that, she kind of fits into, and I said, can I share this with people? And she said, sure. Ruth, the story of Ruth is about, um, obviously, Ruth, but it's, she was the daughter of one of Naomi's um, sons. Okay, Naomi moved from Israel to, to a different place, a different country, and she and her husband and three sons. So then her husband dies, and then all three of her sons dies. You know, and so this was a lot of loss. And sometimes we need to be aware of people's loss and how can they restore them. And so the one daughter, well, first all three daughters, well, we'll go back to you, you know, with your country because he was older now. And he said, no, no. So two of them decided, no, we won't go back. (laughs) We don't really want to. But then there was Ruth. She said, no, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And it's a beautiful story how she loved her mother-in-law. And so this is why I talk about Laura. And she is, you know, she treated her mother-in-law with such love. And she says, well, to me, well, she had a daughter too. I know. And her daughter did a lot. Her daughter did more. She said, well, her daughter did it. But Laura, as a daughter-in-law, did a lot. And it's like, it wasn't like the physical relationship. It was, it was not like something that she was obligated to do. It's out of her heart. 
And so for years and years, she would have, you know, Matt's mom in, and they'd sit at the table together, and their kids learned how it was to see somebody who was gradually, you know, had a hard time eating and stuff, and, and Laura would take her out shopping, and just, you know, she was a daughter to her, too. And so we can, we can be daughters, we can be um, helpers to those who have you know, needs. And it's, she's called a restorer of hope. We can restore hope to people, you know, who are, can, can be overwhelmed. You know, it might not be that they've um, lost in the, in the sense that we feel like they've lost that, but there's people who don't have the resources. Back again to that. You know, it's like they don't have the mental resources. They don't have the economic resources. They don't have a lot of resources. And, and they, nobody, everybody starts from a different place. So we need to listen to see, but find out where they're coming from and, and never judge them. Yeah, well, and, and the story of Ruth's really incredible because she walks a very, very long journey with Naomi to restore, uh, and, and God does a lot of work through Ruth um, and, and, and restores that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we as a, a church want to be a church that's restoring right. uh, families to yeah. healthy situations. And we have some of those situations going on, on now with the refugees that we're right. looking to restore. Yeah. And, and, and you talked about Jamila. Right. She came here, I don't know how many years ago now, but from Eritrea. And it was a country where Christians were being persecuted and killed. And she escaped and... Um, she had a friend who was in Clarkson, and, and we heard about Jamila, said, and so we, we worked on finding out how we could bring her and her three children here. And it took a lot of time, a lot of understanding, a lot of resources, and people that really poured themselves in doing this, and you know, Bob and Jenny, especially, I wanted you know how helpful they were. And it's like, when Jamila arrived, Oh, she was so grateful. She added so much joy. It's like you could, and she was generous. She was so generous, and and mm-hmm. so it's like I'm eager. I'm glad that we're do, ha, going to bring another refugee family in. And so I hope that you know people that if you want to know more about this, talk to to Ben, talk to Bob, and uh, because it's like we can do something. It's one person at a time. Yep. Being, and and, and so, such a huge element. And we've seen this through through many of the aspects, right? When we talk about help and encourage and restoration, uh, there's uh, an observance. There's a watching. There's a looking. There's a vo- being vulnerable. And, and all of these aspects of observance uh, pour into our final element, which is uh, S for shepherd. And shepherds are, are, are someone that uh, watch over, see those in need, see those who are hurting, seeing those who are needing encouragement, seeing those who are needing restoration and are bringing that to them. And uh, with this, we, we, uh, the flower that we have is a sunflower. Can we get that last slide up, guys? And, and with the sunflower, it has pretty 
amazing significance just in general. We, we talked a little bit about the sunflower at church council for those of you that weren't there, uh, but I thought it was, it was lovely that uh, Jane was going to basically share the same thing that was shared at our church council meeting. Oh, great. Yeah, and so um, sunflower moves by the sun. You know, it, it, it's direct. It moves. The sun is here, and the sunflower kind of keeps tracks the sun. It tracks the sun. And so it has this wide perspective, you know. It's like here and here and here. It's like, and that's like a shepherd. The shepherd sees the whole flock, you know, and, and sees where there needs to be some help. Who needs help? Who needs and what they need? And so in the Bible, Deborah was, she's, was in the book of Judges, and she was the head here. She was not the tail. I mean, she was the one God picked to be the judge, to oversee, you know, to care for, direct the people of, of Israel at that time. And Rachel was a shepherdess. It's like, yeah, again, the same side-by-side -side thing, being and providing sometimes uh, being in a position where you can do something that benefits a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and, and Esther was another person who did that. that she didn't have the ch children that I know of, but she, you know, God gave her the resources, the wisdom, and the uh, contact so she could be out there and save the nation. <laughs> you know, it's like, so a shepherd is someone who is able to provide the resources, whether it's knowledge, whether it's food, whether whatever it is, for more than just a small group of people. Yeah, and we see that specifically in Deborah. For those of you who aren't as familiar, Deborah was a judge appointed to Israel. In Judges 4, it uh, describes her like this, a prophet, the wife of, I can't say that guy's name, Lapidoth, maybe, and was leading Israel at that time. So she was, she was overseeing all of Israel. And at this point in time in history, Israel was under incredible uh, persecution by uh, a tribe with 900 iron chariots or something like that. And they're coming in and, and causing all kinds of mayhem. And, uh, and she tells uh, the leader, uh, one, uh, someone able of leading the army that God said, hey, take 10,000 men and, and go take care of this situation. And this leader of the army says to her, ah, I'll, I'll do that if you come with us. And she says to, to him, well, that's fine. I'll come with you, but the victory won't be yours. The victory will be a woman's. And it turns out that that woman was Jael, I think is the, the name, who ends up killing the the, the general of the other army. But yeah, in Judges 5-7, this concept, so we've talked about motherhood and the aspects of motherhood, and specifically with Deborah, we're looking at shepherding. And so we've established that she's shepherding the, the family of, or the tribes of Israel here at this time. And in this, uh, she is referred to or self-refers herself as the mother of Israel. This is in Judges 5-7. Uh, Deborah is called the mother of Israel. So in shepherding God's people, she's describing this shepherding behavior as mothering of the nation. And that is uh, just a really remarkable example of this concept of shepherding. Yeah, and I just want to say this final thing. I think it's final. But anyway, uh, it's not about perfection. Yeah. 
It's not about perfection. It's not about performance. It's about relationship. And women are so good at relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like some women are more extroverts than us. Some are introverts. But it's good at re relationship. They are. And so, and God knows that. And that's the God way God made us. And so, and it's not about perfection. And so, I was talking to Carrie again a few weeks ago. And I said, when I wrote a letter, I said, okay. Now, I'd like to know what you thought I did well and what I could have done better at. And so she answered the first question. And then the second question, she says, Mom, I'm not going to answer that question and tell you what you could have done better. She says, because every mother does the best they can with the resources they have. I said, thank you, Carrie. And so <laughs> they get tired. I think she got tired of me telling you always apologizing for myself and say, I didn't do that. No. So don't you do that either, okay? If you're hard on yourself, it's not going to help your children. It's not going to help you. you just accept God's a forgiving God. Yeah. And you can go on. And you can pick yourself up. And God's grace, God's grace yeah. is sufficient. You know? yep. He doesn't look at us through performance. He says, you're righteous because of Jesus. Amen. So. Amen. Well, thank you, Jane, for coming up here. If we can get that, the, the acronym up one more time, guys. And uh, I just want to thank you. There's so much time. And I know, you know, this is a little different and probably a little longer than, than, than some of our, our messages. But the amount of time that Jane went through to think of all these flowers and their relationship to these words and starting with the same letter, I mean, it's bonkers to me. So, you know, if we could just give her a big thank you. Uh -huh.